coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida. Welcome to the Paper Stack Podcast, where we cover current topics in the note industry, give you tactics for your note business, and talk with industry leaders to make you a better note investor. And now, your hosts, Brett Berkey and Rick Allen. Hello, welcome to the Paper Stack Podcast. I am Brett Berkey, and this is Rick Allen. And uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to 2023. Yes. Goodbye, 2022. That's right. Exit stage left. <laughs> so, yeah, we're finally here. And so it's January or February when we're watching this. But, uh, yeah, so you had a great New Year's? New Year's was good. It was, man, this was like that New Year's where I was like, I don't, I don't know if it's because I'm older, getting older. And I was like, I don't want to go out. I don't either. I went to neighbor's houses. That's I was like, it's 12 o'clock, by the time we get kissed, we're good. All right, bye. I'm out. I had fun, don't get me wrong, but I had, I had, we had like three parties that we needed to go to. Mm-hmm. Two of them were 35 to 45 minutes away from the house. And so I was like, okay. It's like, I'm not, I'm not drinking and driving. So I was yeah. like, I'm just going to be. So I drank water, um, a lot of water, got my hydration in for the day. And... And it too, it's called course Light. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went out and then worked our way back. And then we got back to the house mm-hmm. by like 11.30, 11.40. And so then I had, you know, had an adult beverage and uh, enjoyed, you know, the new year coming in. But I was just like, ah, I just don't really feel like doing that. You know, by 12.30, I was in bed. Yeah, me too. I walked the kids home as soon as 12 was over. And we walked home. That was it. We went up to our hunting camp in between Christmas and New Year's and... Um, it's in the panhandle of Florida. So, you know, we go up there, hunt, kids have fun. We got campers and stuff. We got a well, so we got running water, bathroom. Well, it's, it got so cold. It was below, it was in the twenties, the low twenties for like 20, You're saying that in some of our 20 hours. Oh yeah, I know. But, but it was in the twenties for like 20 hours. Mm-hmm. So the pipes all froze, the well froze, it, it burst. So we got there in like the first two days. It was like, we, well, the first two days, we couldn't do anything to even work on it because everything was still frozen. It wasn't until day three when it got up into the 50s that everything thawed out and we could start working on it. So it was uh, it was an interesting time in the woods with no running water. I can imagine that. It was, it was terrible. But usually in the woods, you don't have any running water. <laughs> we, we do. We have a cook shed that we've built and we've got, you know campers and we've got running water and outdoor showers and wow it's awesome it's we have an inst- you know it is we have an insta hot which you, you hook it up to propane and you just turn it on and get hot water right away and it's fantastic because you know when it's in your 50s you can you know normally take showers at night after you've been doing you know working all day or doing whatever and it's just you're under the stars taking a hot shower it's just awesome that's pretty cool it is but <laughs> there was none of that while we were there but it was you know wasn't too much sweating because it was in the you know high 20s low 30s oof yeah that's not, that's not what do you got for us today so the question arose someone's on the site and they're they wanted to know they're like look i want to buy my first note um i'm looking at a mortgage note right now and i'm looking at a cfd i'm, I'm looking at a land note what's the differences in cost for due diligence versus you know land for mortgage note and what are the differences or do I need to get a different document when I'm on a land note or do I need to get a different document on a CFD to a, a, a mortgage what's the what's the due diligence differences like what, what do I know if I'm like okay this set of tools for land this set of tools for CFD and this for mortgage and deed of trust or is that not the case so it's a little bit different if it's just strictly a land note 
if it's a land note in Florida, it could still be a mortgage. So you got to look at it and say, okay, don't decipher the difference of if, it, if it's a contract for deed, because you could have a contract for deed on vacant land. You could have a mortgage on vacant land. You could have a deed of trust on vacant land. Okay. Right? So you need to look at it and say, okay, really it's what's the underlying collateral. Is it is it a piece of vacant land? Is there a, a single family house on there? Is there a duplex on there? What what's going on? Okay. So I think we've we've kind of gone into the differences between contract for deeds and mortgages or deeds of trust of, of do, running due diligence. Right, we've, I think we've covered that. We've covered that. So let's just talk about like look, single family home uh, versus vacant land versus maybe vacant land with a uh, a trailer, a mobile home. On. Right? Vacant land with a hot shower on it. <laughs> vacant land awesome. with a hot shower on it, yeah. <laughs> vacant land with um, that stuff. So it, there is some differences, right, in the due diligence that you're going to look at. Um, one of them is because on what you're going to find, I think, is the biggest thing is value. Like the value of the underlying collateral. So whether it's the vacant land or whether it's the land in the house, right? Because if it's a land in a house... That's pretty straightforward. You can go out half a mile or a mile, or if you're in a rural area, you go out however far it is to kind of find a similar comparable house. Oh, wow, I can that, see that could be really hard. That, land. With land, you can you can run into something really, really easy, and you're like, oh, this is so easy. There's a comp, this one next door sold for this. Let me give you an example. Maybe somebody bought a 20-acre plot or a 30-acre plot, mm -hmm. and they threw some roads in there, mm -hmm. right? And they and they chopped it up into one-acre parcels, so maybe you got 25 one-acre lots that they're selling, mm -hmm. right? And they sell them all for the same thing. Mm -hmm. And they're taking owner financing in, and they're collecting, you know, six grand down, and they got this. Well, there's your, you, you like, if you're buying one of those lots... You've got 24 other comps, right? But how good are those comps, really? Because it's all like, it's all concentrated in the same neighborhood on somebody who's doing owner financing. You don't really know what the underwriting was like to get those loans done. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So doing the land is a little bit more difficult. Value. More difficult? Oh, yeah. Evaluating land is more difficult as far as getting the value. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't think that was the case. Why? I don't know. I just thought it was well, it's so, it's so um, the reason why is because you can be over, you can oversell the land, right? Okay. So land in the area might go for 12,000 an acre. It's we'll just, yeah. We'll just say 12 grand an acre and you're selling it for, 36,000 an acre with 6,000 down, right? So if you go to do the comparables, you're like, well, this is, there's 20 loans. There's 20 lots here at 36,000 an acre. Well, it's 36,000 an acre because you sold it to people who could put down $6,000 and they want that land. Does that mean that's the value of the land? I don't know. Is it? If nobody else outside of that neighborhood is able to sell a one-acre parcel for thirty-six thousand to somebody cash. What does that mean for the values over here? So, and I'm not saying 
I'm not saying that the land is, is that's not the value of the land, because it, it very well could be, right? Right. Because that's what somebody was willing to pay if they could have credit extended to them. But usually what happens is you're buying it for $6,000 an acre and selling it for $36,000 an acre. And you're, there's a huge markup there. Oh, when you're buying it. Yeah, when you're doing the one buy. And so what yeah. I'm saying is, whenever you're buying it and slicing it up, it's really hard to put peg the value on on land versus houses is much, much easier because banks are lending on houses. There's a lot more people needing a place to actually live. So a three to 1200 square feet, there's a good chance if it's not in a rural area, I'm going to be able to pin down a value pretty simple. I can go look a half a mile, mile okay. out. So it's easier to run your values on that. Um, Which is but, but land can be just very subjective. It can be like, well, what's the value in the land? What's the value of the dirt? Like if you're selling, if you're buying a loan that's got um, an actual physical house on there, well, usually the actual physical property makes up a majority, usually, yeah. of the value. <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense. Like land value is usually less than house value. Now there's some stuff, you know, we can get into it and say, you know, obviously some of the, the, the land values in Windermere that have the older houses on there. Yeah, you know, yeah. Windermere is a nicer, you, you can, you see what I'm saying? So that's one thing that I find I think is a little more difficult is is establishing actual value of the of the dirt and being right. like because at the end of the day I'm always worried about what do I have to do if I have to take this back. Yeah, and so for that process too, I thought and this is just me not knowing, but I figured you know worst case scenario you have to take the land back. Uh, actually, we had it happen on our site. Someone actually did this same thing, and I told them to do this. And so they had to take the land back. Usually, when it's a land thing. <laughs> Unless they're living on it, uh, they might just have, you know, a, a camper with a cook shed and hot shower on it and some running water. And then, they, or maybe not even all that, but it's not the primary residency. So, if, you know, something bad happens and God forbid, you know, they're in a tough spot and they're not paying for it. There's a higher chance that you could just go to that person and say, look, you know, I, I know you're in a tough spot. Look, I don't want you to have a foreclosure on your record. Why don't you just deed this over to me and you can walk away and call it a day. Cool. Yeah. And a lot of people. Most times they're like, no foreclosure, another thing off my plate, don't have to worry about this, here's a deed, whatever, we had fun, we did. And then yeah, they walk exactly. away. And then at that point, the, exactly what happened is the guy, I said, you know, I said, get it back and get it back and go to these land listing sites, which was like 50 of them. And just go to these sites. Resell it. Resell it, put it for owner <laughs> financing as soon as you do. Put, you know, take something, season it for a couple months and then come back to the site and list it. And, and sell it. And he did. So for me, I was like, well, I thought that the process of loss mitigation would be extremely faster. I might be totally wrong, but I mean, I imagine it somebody is, would fight for their house a lot more than they would fight some land out in the middle of the woods. They would, they would, but if they've got, if like, what if they've drilled a well? What if they're, you know, they've got a camper or a mobile home on there? Now they've got something it's there. Mobile. So, well, which, which also starts to come to, like when you're doing research, or when you're doing your due diligence on, what's vacant land and it's got a mobile home on there, you have to like figure out, does, is the mobile home included in the mortgage? Is it secured by that mortgage? Or is the mortgage secured by that mobile home, right? So if you have to foreclose, are you entitled to the mobile home, mm. right? There's a lot of different things on there, or is it just the land? So um, you would find that in the contract, right? If there's a mobile home, yeah, you would. that would be in the mortgage. You would be able to look in the mortgage and, and kind of see um, it would, it should mention it, it shouldn't talk about title or there's affidavits it can sign, um, affixing it to the mortgage. Um, 
So those, yeah, those are those are the important things I think when you're looking at vacant land versus single family is hey, what's going on? Right. So I, that's interesting. Yeah, because I guess if you're always looking at value, that's important. Um, the thing that I would also see too, at least with a lot of this land sellers, of title. That's another one. What if land? there's a mobile home, is is there a title to it? Yeah, it's because true. if you're foreclosing and that's included with it, or it is affixed to the mortgage, you really have to find where's the title. Mm-hmm. And you can go through the DMV. There's a lot of ways. There's a lot of stuff that you can do to track down a title. You can go through the DMV. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, well, oh yeah. And I, I only learned that because I did a deal with First National, and they're like, "Do you have title for this?" And I was like, "No." They're like. Ugh. Well, can you try to get it? And I was like, I don't know even where to begin. She's like, I'll just call the DMV. And she called the DMV and she had it in like a day. I'm like, I'm learning something new every day. <laughs> yeah. DMV would have been not my first guess. No, that was like, that was not, I didn't, I was, I was, didn't even know where to start. And, uh, well, Rachel Sims over there at uh, yeah. First First National pointed me in the right direction. So she was great. So what are a couple of the other things that where I kind of like, looked at land and I said, you know, I think maybe it was an easier entry point a lot of times is because, and I might be totally wrong again, so a lot of times with the mortgages and deeds of trust, whatever, some with houses, if they like legacy assets, you you have to verify the chain. There can be a lot more chances for stuff to be screwed up. Sure. But with the land note, a lot of times these land investors, they sold this thing like a year ago. And they're, they're, they held it for a little bit. It's their original lender and that person, so you're talking, when you're, when you're buying it, you're talking to the original lender. Like that person's like, yeah, I know, you know, Sue and Joe, I, I sold that, it to them. That definitely, um, that makes it easier for, for tracking the chain of title as long as they've, they've dotted all their I's and crossed all their T's. And one of the things also that I found is the land guy, uh, not saying all land guys, but sometimes it's not uncommon for them to not use a professional servicer. And so you, you're, you're looking down the barrel of, okay, I've got these loans uh, that I'm buying these land notes that are great. Most of the time, the nice thing about land notes is they're like, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12. I've seen 13% interest there's, rates. There's some coming that are 12.9. 12.9%. They're super steep, but they may not have, they may not have professional servicing in place. Or they may not have uh, origination docs. You know, sometimes it's like a, a one page contract here, sign it shake my hand, they gave me $6,000 down, you know, they gave me $50,000 bills and, and, you know. And the closing was at Chili's. Yeah. <laughs> For real. That's, yeah, yeah. I'm not joking. It was, yeah, it was the Chili's, you sign it, you have a beer, and you guys go for on your happy way. And that's it. And yeah. so there's, you know, there's there's a deal that we um, we helped broker that was a big deal, a land deal, you know, it was like $6.8 million mm-hmm. and a hundred and 108 loans and they had to go back and redo every single mortgage and every single deed because the way it was it was just like it wasn't done right the first time Mm -hmm. and so there's usually what i find is the land stuff there's higher interest rates higher returns a little more risk on hey did they actually do the documents and don't get me wrong there's a group i know about of austin that they are turning and burning these things i mean they are Buying up hundred acre plots and then they're they're getting them all in, chopping them up, selling them. They're they're originating these loans to look, smell, taste, and feel just like yeah, a, those are some good ones. Those are good loans, eleven point nine percent. But they also, you know, they want eighty 
seven to ninety three percent, depending on how long they've been seasoned for. So I mean, can you argue with that? I mean, no, you can't. They're doing I mean, they're doing a good job because Ryan income stream at that point. So. Yeah, you are. So, but you know, you got to look at. Then there's the other the other side of the equation where you got people who are closing at Chili's with a one page contract and you know. I mean, a lot of what well, some people that just have digital docs. They're like, do I have to send something to the auditor because literally you want me to print it off my computer and then send it to them? It's all digital. It's, it's all digital. It's yeah. Like, so just okay. As long as the buyer's cool with it and we're cool with it. The other thing too is the shorter terms. They're usually shorter terms. I think five yeah, years. Five years, and they're a lot of times they're lower balance. That's that's those are some of the nice things about the early entry or the the low entry point. You can buy them for five, six, seven thousand dollars. You can kind of get uh, the process down. 12, you know, have a have a twelve percent income stream that's got five years. I mean, come on, who doesn't like that? That's, I mean, that's just simple. And then the other thing, too, a lot of times, at least I'm seeing it now, it wasn't the case before. You know, I, I've told one of their, our big sellers, like, he's like, look, you know, when we sell these things, it's, it, gets, it gets funky and da da da, da or, or the servicing part. And I, I just said, why don't you just make it a part of your negotiation, servicing is retained with the, the seller. I was like, you, you keep that small little bit of income, but they have the assurance that. Nothing, this stuff's not getting messed up. Like that person just keeps paying that same servicer and that person just changes where the wire goes. Goes to this guy now instead of going to this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something because, yeah, that if you're if you're only making, what did you say, like three or 400 bucks or 200 bucks a month and your servicing fee is $20, geez, that's, that's a lot. You know, like right. you know, over long, you know, over five years, it can kind of take a lot of your money, you know, right. to collect the check. So it's like, if you can keep it with them, usually they don't, it's a, it's a way lower because they're not even, Usually paying, I seem to think at eight dollars. Yeah, some also some of the things I've seen is um, that group out of Austin, um, borrowers pay all the servicing costs. Really? Yeah, it's like wow. Borrowers pay fifteen or twenty bucks a month for servicing costs. Wow. Loan servicing, which I thought was fantastic. So <laughs> it's fantastic. So I don't know. I think that's it. Um, I think you answered a lot of it. I did. Values. I did. There wasn't. Yeah, values. I mean, I, I like to usually have bullet points, so it's like here, this, this, and this. But this, that was kind of a lot. But values are a little tougher. You got really have to look into them. And values on vacant land, subjective title for if there's a mobile home, is the mobile home fixed, and uh, does the mobile home secure the mortgage? Is Check the DMV. The DMV. Uh, DMV. Yeah, and so. You know, and then look at the origination docs and make sure, have somebody look at it and make sure everything was originated properly and it's in good working order. So a twist question. When you, when you do the DMV, do you have to do the county DMV or is it like a state? How does DMV is like a statewide? I don't know. Don't ask me. That. I told you. I don't know. I, I didn't dive in. She said I found it at the DMV. I'm like... Ten four. I got other things to worry about. That's like you're you handling it. Look, I don't go ask my surgeon. Like, do you lift up on the stomach and then go to the intestines, or the intestine you pull those? I don't know. You just fix it, man. Yeah, I got you. Doc, just fix me. I got you. All right. Well, cool. Well, if you guys got your own questions, of course you know what to do. Put them in the comments here. If you're interested in learning more education, we got the academy, which is probably rolling a video right now that you can see. And uh, yeah, we look forward to having another. Bunch of success with these uh, videos. If we can just keep coming up with awesome questions that come from our audience, and we'll keep making them. So, uh, yeah, happy 2023, and we'll see you in the next one.